Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. It is 1233 at Edmonton. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stoffer with you on Oilers Now. We are joined in studio by Mark Spector, Stoffer Inspector for the Horses, Horse Racing Alberta Live Racing, Thursday nights, Saturdays, and Sunday days out at Century Mile. Today, Hockey Canada had a uh, press conference and uh, had a couple individuals who received, and I, I want to get the terminology uh, correct here, the Order of Hockey in Canada. And we're going to speak to a couple of the recipients today, including uh, former Edmonton Oilers head coach Ken Hitchcock, who joins us right now. Ken, this is just like old times, back in the days of total sports when Specter and Stoffer were together, uh, circa 2006-2007. But uh, thank you for uh, taking time to join us on what I'm sure has been an exciting last couple of days with you with Hockey Canada. What does it mean to be a recipient of the Order of Hockey in Canada, Ken Hitchcock? Well, first of all, are you two guys picking the horses that people are supposed to bet on? (laughs) Are you kidding? (laughs) (laughs) You know what, guys? uh, uh, For me, it's you know, you you both know me, and I've lived my life in the winning business. That's what I get paid to do is win hockey games. But this is, for me, an acknowledgement of the stuff you do behind the scenes and the stuff that you do uh, to enhance the game with with uh, amateur coaches. And I really took pride in, in the off-season at least two or three times going and sneaking into clinics to make presentations and kind of slip in and slip out. Um and I, it's it's a good feeling that people recognized that I was trying to help coaches who, who were like me, who I got all my help from basically Claire, uh, Billy, uh, George, Wayne Fleming, Dave King. Those guys helped me in in a big way during the off season, and they gave back, and and that's what I tried to do every summer for about twenty years. So you find yourself when you're in the trade as long as you are, Ken. I think we all we get to a certain age and we get pretty comfortable with what we're doing and we find our niche, right? Uh, you know, you've, you're the third winningest NHL coach, but you've also become a guy that really spreads the knowledge, right? And this goes, of course, back to Claire Drake. So I guess describe for me, like, who have you become? You know, after all these years, have you turned into the guy at this point in your career that you thought you'd be when you were, you know? 26 years old coaching the chain gang you know what uh, mark you know what i've become is a um i don't want to call it an adrenaline junkie but i've become a learned junkie i i really have enjoyed uh learning what's new and exciting and different and i really take a lot of pride in in trying to understand, like, I'll give you an example. Uh, Woody and I, uh, yesterday, we we hooked up in, in the, or two days ago in the Oiler office, 
uh, he was here getting ready for for a development camp, and we went at it for two hours. And you know, he explained the way they did things in Bakersfield, and and I explained the way we did things here. And I just got such a, a rush from that. That that to me, the exchanging of ideas, the exchanging of different philosophies, is what's made this sport so exciting for me. And I. I love that part of the game. I love learning. I love learning from people who I think are smarter than me, and and I love taking that information back and using it if I think it helps my hockey club. And and I that's the part I'm going to miss the most. And if if you know uh, if I never get back into coaching at any level, that part of that exchange of ideas, that debate, that discussion, you know, that roundtable stuff, that's the fuel for me that I really love about working with you know ken we had an opportunity uh to discuss uh, passions in other sports as well and, and that's because you mentioned the hockey end of it but i know that there's been some education for you from some of the great leaders out there you know in football uh, or in european football so maybe you can educate our listeners just on on how beneficial that's been and maybe some of the guys along the way that you met that you were like wow you can see why this guy's so successful in these various sports well, for me, uh, you know, I, 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 uh, I, I've spent a lot of time with Andy Reid and his staff in Kansas City, and I've spent a lot of time on a personal level. I, I, I didn't get to know Tony La Russa until late. You know, over the last year he was with the Cardinals when they won. It was the first time I really got to know Tony, but we've gotten together for uh, symposiums a couple times in Vegas and stuff like that. And so guys like that, are just fascinating for me because I consider those guys to be at a whole other level. Andy on the organization sure. and Tony on uh, on style and, and kind of uh, attitude and everything. And I, I just, I find when you get a chance to learn from people who are a cut above, it's invigorating. And that's, I, I, I love doing that stuff. I've, 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 I've gone to clinics in london england i've gone to clinics in new york i've gone to clinic in la um you know to listen to speakers from other sports I've, the clinic i was in in in, in london in new york there wasn't one hockey guy and the one in la the only guy there was Mackie. and you know we we can learn so much from other other people we don't have a lock on how to coach you we don't have a lock on how to build teams that there was i that that part to me learning from people who are a lot more important than I am is really uh, fascinating. Ken Hitchcock with us. Ken, you spent a long time in St. Louis. I had... I don't know how many of those players you would have had, but I'll bet you it's uh, probably 15 of them. 12 anyway. Um, Two-part question, I guess. Did you you see a team that was back in January that was going to be able to rebound to the extent that St. Louis did? And, And now that they're done and they've won, and I'm sure they're sending you a ring in the mail, Ken, um, how much, you know, what's it like to be the guy that used to coach that team? Is there still a measure of pride for all those guys? Oh, yeah. Um, more joy for, uh, there's a, probably a, uh, a real core of probably 10 guys, you know, the, the Barbashevs and, uh, and those type of players were just on the edge. Uh, you know, they were kind of in the minors, played a few games, um, but there's a core group of 10 guys that that we had very early in their careers that I was so happy for and 
I stay in close touch with probably five or six players. Um, and I was really, really happy for them. And it's funny, Mark, because when they came here, and Bob knows this, they were right on the cusp. They were going to go up or down. They were right on the edge. And they won here, then they won in Vancouver, and they took off. And you saw that team in paper in September, and you thought, man, that's a good hockey club. And then they just, in the games they did early in the season, they did a lot of self-destructing. And they needed to find a cause, and the cause was the goalie. And when Bennington came, he created an environment of uh, of com- uh, compatibility, of, com- of competitiveness that wasn't there. And they, it, he gave them the reason to play, and they became a very, very tight team because of it. But you saw you saw the talent level, you saw the skill level, uh, and it was really impressive uh, when you looked at that team through exhibition games. But but it took a long time for them to come together. But once they did, they were they were really dynamic. Order of Hockey in Canada recipient Ken Hitchcock joining us. Bob Stoffer, Mark Spector for you on Oilers Now. Uh, you mentioned that game in, I think it was December 18th. There were some other things going on at that time. So, Ken, can we open up the Pandora's box or open up the kimono from a business perspective and say... How close were the Edmonton Oilers to getting a couple of those Blues players to to maybe get? It? We had Jay Bowmeister on the show yesterday. Uh, he's he he was flatly admitted uh, there were guys like him that were UFAs that weren't sure what was going to happen. Where um, Peter Shirelli was the GM at that that time, you know, you're the head coach. I mean, were we looking at a scenario where you know the Oilers were pitching to try to improve the hockey club? Well, I think Peter was really pitching hard to help the hockey club. And, and and the reason, quite frankly, was we were starting to really build something and he didn't want to let go of the rope. And when we took those injuries on with Clefbaum and Russell, he didn't want to lose ground and we knew we were in trouble. So he was doing everything and anything he could to help the hockey club. And, uh, you know, we, we knew when we left Colorado that yep. we were in trouble. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, uh, and we had made up so much ground and we were playing so well that he didn't want to give up the ground. So whether it was, I never really, I, I you know, I heard a couple of names out of St. Louis, but I didn't hear anything directly or what was going back. But I knew how hard Peter was working to try to not lose ground uh, with the pack because we caught up to the pack um, and we were playing as well as anybody certainly in the division at that time and he didn't he was busting every little move he could make to try to help the team can we uh, i asked uh, ken holland just the other day uh what are the plans for ken hitchcock and his answer was well i got to sit down i got to talk to him does he want to travel does he want to scout does he want to coach does he want to do this what does he want to do so i'm not sure if you've ended up telling your boss yet but you're sure welcome to tell us uh, what it is you want to do here and i just want to interject right now that we're looking to upgrade our tuesday shows ken so if you were willing to come into studio Wait for an hour here hold on <laughs> <laughs> well that part you can forget you know what? Uh, we've been working hard together for four days now, trying to help Tip and uh, and the coaching staff. And I've really enjoyed working with Ken on the coaching selection and now on the player side of things. And I've really enjoyed the last two weeks here. And I don't know where this is going to take me, but 
both of us are locked in and grinding. I can tell you that right now. We're we're trying to do everything we can to help this hockey club get better. And uh, a lot of it now is tilted on personnel, obviously. Um, I'm taking pride in doing a lot of the dirty work for them and looking at players and trying to help them there. And I'm really enjoying this responsibility. Um, I really enjoyed my time with Woody and uh, his guys. And I, I, I see... I really want to help and dig in, and I want to continue down this path that Ken and I got going right now. And with Bob's blessing, we can figure out something to help everybody. But I also want to stay away from Tip and these guys. I don't want to be the guy hovering over it. So I think there's a role, um, and I think we're it's evolving, and it's kind of du- dual right now. I'm I know what I'm doing until the first week of July. I know. I know what responsibilities I have till then, and I kind of know what's happening during training camp. And then after that, we'll figure out how it sorts out. But I got to tell you, working with Ken uh, and going through what we're going through, I'm learning a lot, and it's been a fun experience, and, and I'm dug in trying to help this organization. Ken Hitchcock, uh, we appreciate uh, the accessibility uh, you have given us every stretch of the way, including over the last several months as your role as a head coach. And uh, congratulations again on receiving the uh, Order of Hockey in Canada. And uh, we'll look forward to touching base down the road. Okay, Ken? All right, thanks a lot. And make sure if you've got any good horse racing tips, I'm still in Edmonton, and I will have no problem going out to the track. All right. Perfect. There you go. Thanks, Ken. (laughs) Bye-bye. That is Ken Hitchcock, uh, the former head coach of the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, Come on, Sabretooth, Bob. That was was the one, right, on the Flintstones back in the day. 12.47 in Edmonton. We do have George Kingston. You heard uh, Ken Hitchcock mention George Kingston. He was uh, an Alberta Golden Bear player that played for Claire Drake, and then when uh, Calgary got into – when Calgary became a university, which don't think I ever – have stopped reminding people of Calgary that back in the mid-1960s when they gained a university status. Uh, George Kingston shortly thereafter became the head coach of their program. Had very good teams throughout the 70s and the 80s. Ended up becoming the head coach of the San Jose Sharks where he... Uh, back in the old cow pack. There was one movie, done doubt. Uh, we'll save that. We'll save that for when we bring him aboard. But uh, George Kingston coming up today. He too received uh, the Order of uh, Hockey in Canada. And we'll hear from him about 115. When Stauffer and Spectre come back for Horse Race in Alberta, all right, what do we do here if there's only an $81.5 million cap? This is Oilers Now. Thanks, Connor. Guests in the Oilers Now show receive gift certificates to Roos Chris Steakhouse. Roos Chris, it's the greatest steak you've ever had. Follow the sizzle to 99.90 Jasper Avenue. Tell Maggie, Brendan, and the staff at Roos Chris that Oilers Now sent you. All right, uh, we got Mark Spector here. Stoffer Inspector for Horse Racing Alberta. Sabretooth. Is that who you're going with? Yeah, I got Sabretooth. In the seventh? <laughs> hey, uh, before we get to this cap thing, yeah. Okay, there's been a lot of discussion about Milan Lucic, and one of the hypotheticals out there is that the Vancouver Canucks would look to make a splash at the draft, and would they do Erickson for Lucic? Right. You know, um, the other name out there is James Neal for Lucic. Now, I'm going to pose you a question. I'd be intrigued to see your response. Mm-hmm. Of those three players, which players? Which player do you think the team, the play, the guys in the team, would most like to have on their team? Oh, no doubt Lucic because he brings a calm and to you know if guys don't do things against other teammates, 
because Lucic is around. So it's nice. You do to have realize there's team. there's an entire generation of listeners that think they that's complete. That and they don't. They don't believe that. No, they don't. No, they don't believe that. And it's not because everyone's afraid he's gonna. He doesn't beat people up every night. We're past those days. But having Lucic out there, he's a calming influence. And there's there's things that guys like Matt Kachuk do. 80 games or 77 games a year that they tend not to do for the four other games when Lucic is on the other team. See, we had and, right. and, and we had people say, well, what are you talking about? Like, you guys, like, did you see Kachuk in that first game? And I'm like, yeah, I saw Kachuk at the end of the game get choked out on well, the ice after he the faced... First game. How about in the second, third, and fourth and fifth game? Nothing. Right. Nothing. So that kind of makes the point, but... He skated by our bench and stared at us and looked at Goodrow and said, you talk to him. Yeah, right. And that's exactly how it works. So the point would be that, not uh, first yeah. of all, Lucic has a, to me, Lucic is a guy that's going to be better somewhere else. He's come here on a free agent deal, Bob. He came here explicitly and, and admittedly to be McDavid's winger. It was going to be happily ever after. Left right. winger, first line, 30 a year, you know, 100 pims, life's good. Totally hasn't worked that way. He's basically a third or fourth line guy. He's never seen McDavid's wing anymore. Uh, it's hard to be Milan Lucic here in blue and orange because every time you put the uniform on, you are basically reminded that, hmm, that didn't work, right? So I think Lucic would be really well served to get a fresh start somewhere else where none of that stuff exists. But you do believe that if you pulled the players in those three respective teams, they'd see the guy that could help them. Well, what else does James Neal do except for score goals? So now he's not scoring goals. What else does he do? Crickets. Now, do you think he could bounce back? Because he... I mean, oh, that's a, a completely in, separate in, fair, in fairness to him, he had a long playoff the year before with uh, Vegas. Everybody's hurt come playoff time. Yep. He's a physical guy. Uh, maybe he wasn't quite at the standard he wanted to be coming into training camp. Bill Peters is a new coach with a reputation of liking his guys. Derek Ryan, we love him, right? Great story. Well, that's one of Bill Peters' guys. He yeah. pro- he plays Derek Ryan more than any other coach in the league would play him. Right. Conversely, if James Neal got off on the wrong foot from the start, it's not smart, or it's it's well, you're not smart to figure out that hey, maybe there was a guy that went the wrong. You know, is there a do over there? Might be. Erickson uh, has made comments about like I think Travis Green's a pretty good coach. I think he's made well, players who don't get any ice time never like the coach, Bob. They that's don't fair. Look at it like that's, we do. That, that's fair. They don't like the coach. He doesn't like his coach because his coach doesn't play him. I look at what he's untrust. I look at Vancouver and how long they stayed in the mix for each of the last two seasons. Yeah, pretty thought, well. Pretty I thought well. Travis Green did a pretty good job. So that's the. But I am with you, Mark. I think if I was one of the guys on the uh, on the ice thinking to myself, well, which one of these three players would I like the most? Neil might be the best player still. Might. I think there's got to be. The, I but Lucic is probably the guy you're thinking, you know, I might have that guy around. Cause I look at Neil as a guy who might get it back. Erickson's not getting it back. I don't think Lucic is getting it back. But he still has a dimension. But he still has a dimension, but I can live without that dimension if you give me a guy who's going to score me some goals. Like, in the end, uh, that dimension... I think that's it, fair. That's the fair. dimension's been mitigated, Bob, because we don't fight anymore in the league. So, really, the dimension, it's still there, but it's mitigated. It's not what it used yeah. to be. Yeah. What a, without it. All right. So, here, we're also heading into... Brian Burke, who will be on the show on Thursday when we're in Vancouver doing the show from CKNW. Brian Burke mentioning uh, a couple of weeks ago, yes, Pulley Arby. 
Here's the three scenarios. Number one, he gets uh, he's back with the Oilers and you rebuild things. The only issue is, in reading between the lines of your tweets from the agent, I'm not necessarily sold. That's how the agency feels. Number two, if he does get traded, Brian Burke's comment was for a like-minded prospect. <laughs> and then number three, you say, you know what? This we we don't have a fit here for the year. If your guy doesn't really want to play here, go play in the KHL or go play in Europe. So. Like-minded prospect, you know, Julian Goche out of Carolina, somebody like that. Maybe Nick Ritchie, who's up for an extension in uh, Anaheim. Uh, can you get a guy that good? I'm not, those guys are both probably third liners. Goche hasn't even played a game in the NHL. Yeah. What, what would you do here in a minute or less, Mark? I would try to sign uh, Pugliarvi to a two-year deal. Yeah. I would make a handshake deal with him that if we're going to take you, we're going to have a year. Dave Tippett's going to work with you. We're going to find you a centerman on the third line. That's where you're going to play. You're going to play every night. We're not moving you down to the AHL. We're not moving you up to McDavid's line all the time. They can't move him to the AHL. You get claimed on waivers. Oh, whatever. The game. Yeah. Maybe you would. But the point is, you got to give this kid some, As what's the word Ken Holland's been using? Stability. Give him some stability. Play him every night with the right people. And if we can't figure out each other after 82 more games, we'll make a deal. We'll get you out of town. That's what I would Mark, it is rare for me to say this. (laughs) There's entirely too much reason and logic in what you're suggesting. You can text us at 630-630 at our Heartland Ford text line. Uh, When we come back in Oilers now, we're going to talk about the salary cap and what it means. What does it mean? Off to a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad.